Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number seven. My name is Dale Lott Jr. And you are listening to A Better Pickup Line, the podcast. Welcome back to a better pickup line, the podcast. So we've discussed three areas in which you need to believe. We discussed believing God's love for you, believing its purpose, believing his plan. And the fourth thing you need to believe is you need to believe the identity God has given you. You are good enough. One of the major reasons people don't believe God has a plan for them, a purpose for them, and don't necessarily even believe his love is because they don't believe the identity God has given them. Therefore, they don't accept the gift of that plan because they think it's for someone else. Cara Simmons, going back to that story, she initially couldn't accept that she was the homeowner. If she had persisted in that lack of identity, she would have remained in her condition. It was only by accepting her identity as the homeowner that she could receive the gift. So it is with us. Christ has given to each of us a gift by grace. Let's look at Romans 5.15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God And the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So Christ has given each of us a gift by grace. Now, how do we receive this? Back up to verse 2 of Romans 5. It says, through whom we have access by faith into this grace. So in order to obtain what this grace has given us, we have to utilize our faith. When we believe who we are, we can take possession of the free gift that God has made available to us. But who are we? Second Corinthians 521. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We've been made the righteousness of God. We are declared just and in right standing with him. See, because of Jesus, we now have correctness of thinking, feeling and acting. We have access to that. Now, you may not you might not like the way that your thought life is right now, but that doesn't mean that you don't have access to be able to think, feel and act in line with Jesus. You are already okay with him. There's nothing else that you need to do to clean yourself up. You've been made righteous. The blood of Jesus has washed us and cleansed us of all of our sins, has washed us and cleansed us of all of our filthiness. 
And so when God looks at us now, he looks at us through the eyes of Jesus. He doesn't look at us through our mistakes and through our flaws, our failures. No, we don't have to get right with him. We are right with him. Now let's look at Romans 5.21. And it says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's through this righteousness, this right identity that grace reigns. So grace has complete work and authority in our life when we understand who we are. When we have the right identity, it allows us to fully experience God's free, undeserved gift in our life. That's why Romans 5, 17 says much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So that means you will reign in life once you understand your righteous identity. And that allows grace to spread throughout every area of your life. When you understand your righteousness, you will experience victory in finding a mate. You'll experience victory in your relationships, in your finances, in your home, in your body, in your business, in your ministry, in your friendships, in your mind. But it all starts with believing your identity. You are the righteousness of God. And believing that you are the righteousness of God, that's what leads to total life salvation. Romans 10.10 for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, the mouth doesn't confess first. You believe first. So when you believe, now what you speak has power. You can't just speak it and expect it to have power. You have to believe it first. So you believe unto righteousness. You believe your identity. You believe who you are. You believe what God has already said about you. And then you open up your mouth and you speak that. So now you believe because you're the righteousness of God, he's already prepared a mate for you. He's already given you the mate that you've desired. He's already provided someone to walk this life with you. And you believe that now you speak that out and you see what it is that you believe. But it starts with believing your identity. And the problem is that your identity is being attacked on every side. You know, everything that you see and read and all the things that you're hearing is making you feel like you're not good enough to receive the spouse you desire. I know you're watching the TV shows and they're telling you everything that you have to do. All of these things is books, programs. They're all developed to convince you of what you must do in order to achieve your goals. Basically, it's all about self-help. And here's the, here's the interesting thing. If you remember the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15, starting at verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger son said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a, a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against you. I've, excuse me, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, when he gets back, 
to his father. His father is like, nah, we're not doing that. You're not going to be a servant. You are my son. Because the, the, the son says, father, I've sinned against heaven and, and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this is my son. He was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And it says that the older son saw the one who didn't leave. He got angry because he had always done the right thing. He says, dad, you never gave me a calf that I can make merry with my friends. And I've always, you know, I've, I've done the right thing. And he says, son, you've always been with me. And all that I have is already yours. This is what I want you to understand when I read that story. Everything's trying to convince you that you have to do all of these different things in order to achieve your goal, to find that mate that you wanted to find, to be somebody. But God has already designed you and God has already made you somebody. He's already qualified you to be a partaker. You are his children. You are his son. You are his daughter. And there is nothing that can change that. Notice the prodigal son. It's funny. The, the dad knew who he was before he gave him his possessions. He says, hey, give me all that belongs to me. I want you to give it to me now. I don't want to wait till you're dead. Give it to me now. His dad already knew who he was. His dad already knew his flaws. His dad probably already knew that this boy was going to go out here and waste all this money. He knew that, but he gave it to him anyway. Why? Why did he give it to him anyway? Because it belonged to him. It was his heritage. It was his inheritance. It was something that he had already designed for him. And he was not trying to withhold anything from him because as he said to the other son, you are with me and all that I have is yours. So here, this belongs to you. Now, after the prodigal son goes out there and wastes all of his money, it's interesting. After he gets out there and he realizes that nobody's giving him anything, he's now starting to Look at his qualifications as to how his father should deal with him. He's starting to see, wait a minute, I haven't done this. Nobody's giving me anything. They're all judging me by my qualifications. And oh my gosh, look at me now. Uh, you know, I'm in a pig pen and I'm eating the same food as swine. And I've made this mistake and I've done this wrong. And I really don't deserve this. So I'm going to just go back to my father. The good thing is he did come to himself and realize that he should go back to his father. But I'm going to go back to my father as a servant, because I'm no longer good enough to be a son. Notice at the beginning, before he left, he never, ever thought about his qualifications, what he deserved or didn't deserve. But after he got out there and started making mistakes and people started judging him according to his qualifications and according to his deeds and actions. Now, all of a sudden, he starts to see himself in light of what he has done instead of in light of who he is. But his father would not allow him to stay in that place. His father would not allow him to come back as a servant. He said, the only way that you can come back is as a son. The only way that you can experience life with me is as a son, understanding your identity and knowing who you are. Don't let the world start to beat you up and have you look at your qualifications, having you look at what you've done or not done. And are you good enough? Look at this about yourself. Fix this about yourself. Do all of, the, all of these things. All of this is self-help when at the end of the day, it is not you who makes you who you are. It is God. It's who your father is that makes you who you are. You are his son. You are his daughter. And there is nothing that can change that. And all that he has is already yours. You can't listen when everybody tries to get you into all of this self-help. 
make a list of the things that you do right and the things that you don't do well. And now you got to try to figure out how to fix those things you don't do well. Listen, God made you fearfully and wonderfully. He gave you strengths. He gave you weaknesses. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And uh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. He understands the flaws that you have, but he's giving you grace to overcome it. He's giving you grace so that in spite of those mistakes, in spite of those flaws, you will still have success. I mean, you're graced. So even your mistakes prosper. You're graced. So even, you know, your minimum effort produces maximum results. You're graced. So you're able to labor in an uncommon way. Paul says, I am who I am and what I am by his grace. I labor more abundantly than they all. It's not I, it's his grace. The grace of God allows you to be able to do more than anybody else in spite of your flaws. Don't allow people to break you down. Don't allow your own mind to start to turn against you so that you are looking at your qualifications. Because when you get into that place where you're no longer seeing yourself as God sees you, as you really are, you can't benefit from what he has for you. If the prodigal son decided that he was not going to be a son, there's no place for him because he can't be a servant. He's either a son or he's going to be a servant somewhere else. The father refuses to accept him any other way but as a son. So don't allow people to trick you into all of this self-help because self-help goes against God's will. First off, in Philippians 3 and 3, it says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. First two, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. People uh, of the children of Israel were coming to those who were Gentiles and trying to get them to be circumcised in the flesh in order to make their faith authentic. And Paul is saying to them, wait a minute. You are of the circumcision who worships God in the spirit. Your circumcision is a circumcision of the heart, not in the flesh. Don't place any confidence in the flesh. That's what Philippians 3 tells us. Don't place your confidence in the flesh, in your self-effort, in the things that you've done, because your self-effort cannot cause you to be justified or proven right and worthy. Look at Galatians 2.16. Actually start at verse 15. We who are Jews by nature... And not sinners of the Gentile, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. There is nothing that you could do in your own self-effort to make yourself righteous. Secondly, to engage in self-help, trying to fix yourself so you can find a mate, trying to make yourself better with your own effort. That is to communicate to God your unbelief in his design. You know, you feel as if you're flawed and you have to fix yourself. You have to fix God's mistakes. The children of Israel, they did the exact same thing. Let's look at Romans 10, where it says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So Christ is the end of self-effort for righteousness. He's the end of self-effort for right standing, for justification, for uprightness and for qualification to everyone who believes in him. But what was the problem with the children of Israel? Go back. Romans 9 30, just a little bit above where we were, says, what shall we say then? 
that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. The children of Israel thought that they could obtain what it is that they desire through their own methods of self-effort, and they never obtained it. But the Gentiles who weren't trying to obtain it through self-effort, uh, they ended up attaining to what they were trying to reach. Why? Because they pursued it according to the righteousness of faith, not the righteousness of the law. And the children of Israel, they had a hard time understanding this. And I, and I hope that you don't have a hard time understanding this, that it's not about what you do in your own self-effort. And that's why Jesus was a stumbling stone for them. Because once Jesus came, he said, I already did it. All you got to do is believe in me. And they couldn't believe that. But if we believe him, here's the great thing. We will not be put to shame. So when you decide, I'm just going to trust in you, Father, I believe who I am. I'm going to stop trying to fix myself. Now, all of a sudden, you never have to worry about being put to shame. I had a, a, a friend and I'm going to deal with this in a, in a later episode, but I had a friend who was talking about all the things that he knows that he has to do in order to prepare himself for a mate. And he was just really down about it. And all of a sudden, the voice of God spoke through me and he said, stop trying to fix yourself and just be humble. The power is not in perfection. The power is in humility. What is true Bible humility? It's agreeing with God and submitting unto his way. Where he says to go, we go. What he says to do, we do. What he says to say, we say. What he says to think, we think. We submit completely to his authority, to his lordship. Put this way, humility is not thinking lowly of yourself or, or self-deprecation. And too many times we see people think that that's being humble. Oh, I'm just, I'm just a nobody. And see, God never told us to do that. He says that you're a king, you're a priest, you're a royal priest of the holy nation, a peculiar people. Heck, the Bible says that in, in uh, Exodus, says that Moses was the meekest man in all of the land. But who wrote that verse? Moses. So how can you say that you, you're humble, you're meek? And you're the one who's writing it. That sounds like boasting. That's how most of us would think. But Moses was saying what God had already said about him. And that's how we have to be. God has called us champions. God has called us winners. God has called us victorious. God has called us righteous. And that's the mindset that we have to have. So when we walk in humility, just following after him, going where he tells us to go, doing what he tells us to do. Now, all of a sudden, that gives grace to us. The Bible says that he gives grace to the humble and that grace all of a sudden just begins to slice off all of those old works. It begins to perfect us. We don't have to perfect ourselves for the make that God has for us. If we would just be humble and walk in humility, all of a sudden our humility causes us to be prepared for the person that God has for us through no self-effort of our own because the power is not in perfection. The power is not in how awesome we can be, how mistake free we can be. It's in our ability to just walk with Jesus. Well, that's our show for today. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me through my social media accounts at Dell.jr. And on Instagram, it's Dell.lot. Or 
you can reach out to me through my blog, abetterpickupline.com, and inbox me your questions there. Now, before we leave, I'm going to ask you to do three things. Number one, subscribe. Whether you're listening through iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite pod catcher is, make sure you subscribe. The second thing, help me spread the word. If you're consuming this podcast through Facebook or YouTube, like, share, comment. Make sure you tell somebody who you think this podcast would be a benefit to. The third thing I'm asking you to do is visit DellLot.org. If you'd like to invite me out to your church, your convention, your conference, your organization, whatever your function is, you would like me to come out and speak. You can find all the information on DellLot.org. As well, there's information about my book, In That Land, A Seed, Time, and Harvest Approach to Finding a Wife. And I'm going to ask you to purchase that today. And with that being said, I want you to have a great and awesome day. And join me next time on A Better Pickup Line, the podcast.